What's up? It's your girl Tiara, aka T, your wine diva. And I want to invite you to go ahead and text at wine diva to 81010 for some surprise and delight. That's at wine diva to 81010. Now enjoy the show. We are live. I love it. This is awesome. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, This is amazing. So um, just want to first off say, hey, thank you so much for watching or listening. However, you are consuming the content. It means the world to me. For those who don't know who I am, I am Tiara, a.k.a. T, your wine diva. And today I am sipping on an amazing Riesling that I had last night for Wine 101 Wednesday. And um, I found out that it pairs perfectly with like bang, homemade bang bang shrimp. So like if those of you who might have like a bonefish grill, like know what I'm talking about. They're pretty amazing. And this was like awesome with it. Um, and today I have an amazing, amazing <laughs> guest, uh, the, the lovely Kim, who is the owner of Final Draft Tap House in Vancouver, Washington. So for those who might not know who you are, could you introduce yourself, please? Yes. And sorry about the motion, everybody. I have um, two cats <laughs> <laughs> that absolutely love to be wherever I am. They are beer cats. Their names are um, Simi and uh Simcoe, I should say, and Citra. So you might, we might be interrupted with them like I am right now. But anyway, I'm Kimberly. Um, Online, people know me as ABV Girl, which actually stands for Adventures, Brews, and Views, um, or Alcohol by Volume. I don't know, whatever one you want to go with. I love it, Alcohol by Volume. (laughs) Yes. So uh, yeah, and uh, I own a tap house. I'm into craft beer, and um, I'm happy to talk with you today and learn about wine maybe a little too. (laughs) We can learn about wine. I want to definitely learn about beer. So how did you get into like owning a a tap house and and into the beer world? Okay, so uh, my, I mean, first of all, I've always loved craft beer. Um, I've always loved beer. I grew up in Wisconsin, so beer was around me right from the start. Uh, but I was one of those people who always wanted a lot more flavor in her beer versus American light lagers. And so, um, my journey really started in craft beer though. When I moved to the Pacific Northwest six years ago, uh, I was working in a corporate job and, uh, was working in marketing and PR. And after 12 years, I was just burnt out and wanted to do, um, pursue entrepreneurial endeavors, right? So I moved to the Pacific Northwest and this area is very well known for craft beer. And so then I was, uh, you know, just exploring craft beer and adventuring and finally doing things that I really love to do versus sit in my office or behind a desk all day, Mm -hmm. every day. So I started pursuing you know, just adventuring and exploring the Pacific Northwest and then finding an adventure and then finding the local craft beer. And my, my writing journey around that started in uh, Astoria, Oregon, where Fort George Brewery is. 
And so I was like, you know what, how about I just write about my experiences exploring craft beer and adventuring and my new Pacific Northwest life. And so I started that. And uh, that really led me to working in craft beer. It actually opened Mm -hmm. the doors for me at my first brewery I worked at, which is um, Ex Novo Brewing. So they're in Portland, Oregon. And I started working there and I opened a couple other breweries. And while I was writing about beer and working in beer, I met my partner, Mike, who is my business partner at Final Draft Tap House, but also uh, my husband now. We just got married two months (laughs) ago today. So congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So that's kind of the short version. Um, But the the. The main thing that I found in craft beer was, oh, and there's Mike. (laughs) He's leaving to go to the tap house. Um, The main thing I found in craft beer, though, is my people. Uh, Mm -hmm. The community is absolutely amazing. And uh, I really felt at home in craft beer. And so I don't want to work in any other industry. So we decided to open a tap house in Vancouver, Washington, which is right near Portland, Oregon. And... uh, you know, now they say the rest is history. So that's my so, story. I love it. So is a tap house the same as a brewery or like, can the words be used interchangeably or do they mean something fundamentally different? They do actually mean um, something very different. And this is one of those things. And I am going to crack a beer. Yes. Yay. Matchless. <laughs> brewing. Um, but I am going to put it in this wine glass, everybody. So, you know, I thought oh, I would bridge. Yeah. I thought I would bridge the two. So uh, what a tap house is, is a craft beer bar, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 30 rotating taps. We also have cider and wine. Um, but a tap house is really uh, hosting and promoting other breweries' beer. Okay. And so oftentimes a brewery is called their ta- – their, uh, tasting room is called a tap room or a brew pub if they offer food. But a tap house is uh, where we promote the beer of others versus making the beer. So we don't make our own beer. Uh, We do collaborate with breweries and have our beer um, that we uh, brew with them on their systems at our tap house, but we don't brew beer on premise. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. So I'm saying like, I love that you're using a wine glass and I've definitely seen people, you especially with craft beer, utilizing a wine glass or something that has a bigger bowl. Can you speak to, is it similar to with wine where it kind of helps open up flavor and, you know, you know, getting the aromatics and all that good stuff of a craft beer? Yes. So, I mean, in craft beer, we don't tend to drink it like this in, um, in, you know, tap rooms, tap houses, right? Um, right. I'm just doing it today because I love this big, uh, globe of a glass that we have um, <laughs> when we do <laughs> see, I don't even know what they're called, but anyway, um, but we do have these at home and I thought I would use it today, but it is similar, um, with those beers, uh, that have different glassware and craft beer. So oftentimes when you go to places, there's one glass and that's mm-hmm. honestly, um, uh, it's honestly because that's economical, right? It's not, right. there's different glassware for craft beer, but it doesn't necessarily always translate from an economical standpoint in, in a tap house or what have you. Um, but it does open up 
the right glass will help the beer open up as well, just like wine. Awesome. Love it. So do you have a, like, a favorite kind of seasonal style of beer? Oh, well, so I drink all craft beer. Um, there are <laughs> styles that I prefer um, over others. And uh, right now, I will talk a little bit about, so my, my preferred style of craft beer is India Pale Ales, IPAs. Um, that's kind of a year-round thing for me. But right now, we're rounding out the fresh hop season. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in the Pacific Northwest, there are a few other regions in the world that grow fresh hops as well. But we are certainly um, one of the leading producing areas in uh, Yakima, Washington, and that's just one area uh, near here. But so we have the uh, blessing of having fresh hops that we can use basically, or that breweries can use straight from the vine. And they pick them and they put them either in the brewing process on the hot side, or they will do a dry hopping process on the cold side, essentially when it's fermenting. And so it makes for such an amazing, like, I guess the words I use are danky from the earth hop, you know, a lot of times people say hoppy, but it's just that fresh. Um, sometimes it, it, it smells uh, like marijuana um, because they are yeah. cousins. Um, but fresh hop season right now is rounding out. And uh, Mike and I, actually, my partner, we talk about it a lot. We go and chase freshies, right? Fresh hop beers. Uh, and many people come to our place for that too. So right now it's fresh hop beers. And then we're getting into uh, that the season of Martzens right now. So Oktoberfest as well. They kind of overlap. Mm -hmm. um, and I, every year I forget how much I love those. So Martzens. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about the beer making process? Like, is it like, I feel like wine is like, very complex in that you can use different barrels and different like uh, stainless steel tanks and all the kind of things. Is it the same thing or does it kind of seem like more just a balance between how much hops do you use and barley and, and, and all of that and what goes into that process? Hey buddy. Um, yeah. So, uh, so here's, here's what I will say about the brewing process. Um, you know, I don't know brewing like in and out. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, there's my little guy. Um, I love it. That's Citra. He's he's named after the Citra hop. But uh, so it is very complex. Um, it can be explained in you know in more layman's terms, of course. Um, but it is very complex, and it's you know it's art and it's science. Um, mm -hmm. So breweries have uh, you know it depends on how big their brewery is, of course, and what barrel system they have. Uh, but you know it, it's you know there's there's so much involved in it. And of course, it's the ingredients, right? Right. Water, the four ingredients, water, yeast, malt, and uh, hops, right? And beer. But it's one of those things where um, there's so many complexities to brewing that, you know, I think nowadays uh, with the craft beer boom, everyone thinks they can do it. But right. that's not always the case, right? Um, so there is a lot that's involved in it. And I would assume, I don't know why the winemaking process, but there's probably a lot of similarities also like with coffee. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times people explain it um, that way as well, like with coffee. Oh, so yeah. Coffee and tea, very similar, yep. <laughs> similar thing. Um, and so you said like different types of hops, like citrus named after a type of, of hop. So 
there's different kinds, kind of like varietals of grapes. Yes. Yeah, there are so many, there are so many hops. Um, and the hops give, um, there's a couple things that hops do. So hops provide um, aromatics, they provide aroma, mm -hmm. and they also provide bittering. And okay. so it depends on how they use them. I talked a little bit about how the fresh hops go into the uh, brewing process, and they can do it two ways. Um, they can do it in the boil, right? And they can also do it on dry hopping. So the boil tends to give it, uh, when they put them in the boil, it tends to give it bitterness. When they dry hop it, it tends to add to the aromas of the beer. And there are so many, a lot of them are, uh, a lot of them are from the Pacific Northwest. Many of those that have uh, been around a long time, like Centennial and Cascade, of course, are a couple different hops that have, um, that have derived from here. But now we're seeing hops come from Australia, New Zealand, um, lots of different areas that will allow for hops to grow. Interesting. I love this. Um, there was like one question and it, oh, for people who are looking to get into like craft beer. So like, I know for me, when I'm, when I'm talking to people about wine, like they usually start off with like something sweeter, like a Riesling, Moscato, Muscat, and then they work their way up to like deeper, richer reds and stuff. So like for me, like when it comes to beer, I don't want anything hoppy, like an IPA, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do, um, a stout, probably not. So for someone that's interested in like exploring craft beer and really getting into it, where do you suggest that they start? So, um, hold on. I lost, I lost it. Oh, there it is. Let's see, this is, <laughs> this is being new to live. Oh my goodness. Um, so, um, there's a couple places, uh, that I would suggest people start. So, um, I will, try to equate it uh, with wine a little bit. So mm -hmm. um, uh, knowing just this much about wine. So generally where people would want to start is uh, a wheat beer. So okay. uh, one of the places, and I'll talk about a few others. So a wheat beer, and if you're into Chardonnay, a wheat beer might be a nice place to start. Very similar characteristics. Um, another one might be um, a pale ale. So a pale ale is, is one of those beers that are recommended when people first start getting into things. It's not overly hoppy. It's pretty mellow. It's very inviting. It, there's, there's, it's one of those that I think is coming back around, frankly, in beer. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're brand new, that's a good place to start. Uh, oftentimes, like I talked about a wheat ale, um, a Hefeweizen. So I don't know if you're familiar with Widmer Hefeweizen. That's an American-style Hefeweizen that is um, nice and smooth. It tends to be lower in alcohol, and it is a place for people to start. It's actually one of the places I started. So I didn't want to do American light lagers like Bud Light, Coors Light, mm -hmm. Budweiser, all of that. That, you know, of course, I tried those in the very beginning, but it just there wasn't much there for me. So I did go into the half of Isons. Not a lot of flavor. And, no, not a lot of flavor. Um, it tends to sometimes, you know, those are like, there's a lot of adjuncts in those um, or there can be and a lot of corn, you know, in order for it to be mass produced. So mm -hmm. um, 
So we ales, Hefeweizens, um, a lot of times fruited beers as well can be a nice place for people to start. And anything that's a little bit lighter and refreshing and effervescent, um, another good one is a Kolsch. Um, so if people, uh, if, if people are wanting something that's a little bit more like an American light lager, um, but the Kolsch is really nice. It's a nice gateway beer as well for people. It's oftentimes what I serve to somebody at the tap house if they say, well, I'm not really a beer drinker, but, um, you know, I'm used to drink or I'm not really a craft beer drinker. I'm used to drinking Bud Light or whatever. That's oftentimes where we can can bring them into the foray of craft beer. Awesome. So one of the things I like to talk and like educate people about is that sometimes like commercial grade um, wines can have a lot of filler and a lot of stuff in there. And so do you find the same thing in the beer industry? Yes. Completely. So when when beer is mass produced, right, whether it is a corporate entity that's producing it or um, one that is independent but is distributing across the country or even internationally, a lot of those things do have to be added in order for it to be mass produced. Right. And right. for it to travel and all of those sorts of things. So um you know, it, it's, it's, it's always this sort of, you know, people get into the whole, you know, beer snobby thing. And, you know, we get all into that and we can all do that. Right. But again, be, you know, beer is subjective. It's not objective. Mm -hmm. However, um, as someone who supports independent local craft beer, and it, it's really important to know what's in the product you're drinking, but also where it comes from and how it's produced. Mm -hmm. So we always advocate for people to just learn more about what goes into all of it and mm -hmm. uh, and and the reasons why something might have to have those in there. And then once we've educated ourselves, then we can make the determination. I mean, you know, again, people are going to drink what they're going to drink. But um, I would love for people to drink craft because not only because it is um, – you know, all natural, but it supports the local independent small business that uh, from a brewery standpoint, just like a tap host standpoint, we literally rely on that in order to pay our bills and be able to uh, do what we do. So there's a lot of reasons to understand, you know, craft beer and I'm assuming wine as well. Right. Isn't it similar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very similar. Like, like you said that, you know, um, commercial, if, when you have to mass produce something to make it more cost effective, to make it be able to last longer to, for shelf life, all that good stuff, you have to add different things into that into the winemaking process. And then yeah. there's also the idea of like, are we going to um, try to make it so that it tastes exactly the same from year to year, or oh. are we going like, to try to play out with the vintages yes. and be more, a little bit more on the natural side and kind of let the wine do its thing. So it's kind of, it's a, it's, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And like, like you said, people are going to drink what they're going to drink, but yeah. having a little bit of, of knowledge, I think is going to help you make a better yeah. choice. Yeah. And I think your point about making, making the the wine or the craft beer taste the same every single time. That is, it's one of those things where we see it in craft beer where we'll have a batch of, or a keg of uh, one beer and 
and it they'll produce it again the following year and it doesn't taste exactly the exactly. same. Right. But isn't that the joy of it, right? We do right. get a lot of drinkers that just want to drink the same thing over and over and over and that's fine. But then that's that's where they tend to go to um, some of the ones that are mass produced, right? Because they know it's going to be consistent. But what mm -hmm. I try to encourage people is understanding that educational part, why it might be different. The hops are different this year, all of that, right? And when things are grown, it's different because of right. the soil and because of various things. So it's, I, I think it's very similar to wine in that regard. Very true. So it just made me think of like, do, do people actually like age craft beer? Is like that a thing? Yes, it's awesome. Now I will say not all beer can be aged. So I talked about a few styles earlier. Um, IPAs, right? Pale ales, those are not to be aged. Those are to be uh, drank within right however many months, right, of, of making them, of brewing them. Um, there are beers like uh, sour, sour ales, uh, mm -hmm. wild ales, uh, barrel-aged beers. There's a lot of beer that gets created like stouts and, um, you know, saisons. They get put in barrels and they're aged for 9, 12 months. So one of the things that we do at the tap house and, you know, it's not unique to us, but uh, we love doing it. So we celebrate our anniversary in July because we opened in July. So what we do is we do a Christmas in July and we cellar. Well, Mike cellared 15 beers and had them on this past July. And he's going to keep doing more and more and more because they age. So we didn't go through all of those beers this last July. So we're going to continue to cellar them and bring them out either throughout the year or in July again. So the the key to aging beer is knowing which ones will age, right? And which ones won't. Right. And uh, it's it's so amazing though, because they get better and better when they stay in the cellar longer and the bottle longer. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. It, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with wine. Cause like you can't age every single wine. Usually you would focus more right. on something that has, that's already got some body and some richness to it. And then mm -hmm. as it ages more like tertiary flavors kind of start to expose themselves and some of like the tannin and the harshness starts to kind of dissolve and just, it, it takes on a whole nother like flavor profile, which is so just amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> I have, a, I have a question. So in wine, do you do verticals? Is it called the same thing? Verticals? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so like oh. different, different vintages. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> so we, we do, I know, I, I don't know why I don't know that, but um, we do that same thing. So what we'll do is we'll collect, um, for instance, Ex Nova Brewing, where I used to work, they do an anniversary beer every year. And they've been open five years now. So we collected every beer of their anniversary beer and it ages. So we just recently did a vertical actually with our staff as a, as a thank you around um, the anniversary time. We did one through five and cracked them all. And then we basically sat and talked through what's the difference and, um, and how do they taste? Cause they weren't all the exact same beer, but they were, um, but one was five years old, right? So it's like, it was, yeah, it was awesome. That's so much fun. We love I love that. that. <laughs> it's so, it's such a good conversation and yeah. it, it really kind of shows the magic that is 
in the, the making process and the aging process and what beer and wine can really do. And it's, it's amazing. Um, so one question for you about, like, I feel like a lot of people talk about, I don't, I don't drink beer because it like makes me gain weight or whatever. Can you speak a little bit to that? Cause I think you did a story the yeah. other day and I was like, yes, I love it. Tell me more. Uh, yeah. 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 That was my challenge. That was one of my challenges that I did for the, for, that's how we met on the Instagram channel. Yes. So, um, so a lot of, I hear two things and, um, and oftentimes I hear them from women. Mm. Let's, let's, let's just say that. Now, I don't always hear it from women. I, I do hear it from men too, but there's two things I hear. Um, one is I don't drink beer because it makes me feel bloated. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's valid. It's, it's like, yeah. but what I will say about that is if you're not used to having whatever it is, right, that's how you're going to feel. So for instance, you don't eat a lot of vegetables. You start eating vegetables. That's how you're going to feel. You don't need right. a lot of whatever it is. That's how you're going to feel. It's the same thing with beer. However, if you drink more of it, you won't feel that over time. Um, I never feel bloated when I drink beer because I drink beer often. Um, it actually, the carbonation settles my stomach if I ever am anxious or whatever it is, right? So um, I just talk a little bit about that with people. And I'm not encouraging people to, you know, go and drink a bunch of beer in order to not feel that, <laughs> Right. But it's not really a valid statement per se, right? Uh, around beer. It's just around anything new in your body. Uh, the other one that I hear is uh, it's got so many calories, I'm going to gain weight. Uh, and Or I'm going to get a beer belly or whatever it may be. Um, the thing is with that is, of course, it has calories. Most things have right. calories. Um I believe beer has natural calories uh, versus, you know, processed things or super high processed sugars like sodas or whatever it may be. So, yes, it does have calories. However, I tend to think it's all the other stuff that we put in our bodies after we've had a few that really is the one that gives us, you know, weight gain or, you know, whatever it is, beer bellies. I don't know if, you know, I don't even know that beer bellies are even a thing, right? I just think it's a belly. But anyway, right. so um, it's just one of those things where, you know, we have to, if we're, if we're into wine, if we're into beer, if we're into whatever it is that we put into our bodies that has calories, we also need to be mindful of the other aspects, right? Where we have to move our bodies. We have to watch what else we put into it. Thank you so much for listening, friend. It is so greatly appreciated. Now, if you've got some value, if you loved what we chatted about today, please share it out with your friends and family and show some love in the comments. Thank you again. It means the world to me.